Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania, a retrospective pro wrestling podcast. I'm your host, artist and entertainer from Baltimore, Maryland, Kobe Nida, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host. Hello everybody, I'm Jimmy Price. I am the commentator for just District City Wrestling, uh, as well as uh, hanging out around the uh, Baltimore comedy scene here and there. The theme of the show is we're going to go back and cover... Uh, the most famous or infamous wrestling events, storylines, feuds, matches, and memories. And we're going to start it off with our first season, The Origin of Attitude. Yes, indeed. This is the first episode. Uh, the last one was a prelogue. We kind of caught up on what we're going over here on The Origin of Attitude. Absolutely. Brought you from uh, the start of it all with our... Uh, you know, with our uh primary uh, characters or figures, if you will, and uh, took you all the way up to the magical year of 1996. Yes, indeed. Um, we, we, we have four, four established characters in here. Yeah. Um, some will take a seat in the back and some other characters will rise up as well. Definitely. So, yeah, last episode we geared up basically building towards WrestleMania 12. The epic 60-minute Iron Man match. Yes, indeed. But before then, we'll go into a little detail. Uh, January 1996, the Royal Rumble. That's January 21st in Fresno, California. Um, here we have the the match where Shawn Michaels wins the Royal Rumble. And he last eliminates Diesel. That's yep. his friend at the time. And... That's uh, that's going to build to some other things because Diesel has kind of shift shifted into this area, this gray area. Yeah. And uh, as well as his buddy, Razor Ramon, uh, he gets beat by Goldust for the IC Championship at this Royal Rumble event. And they're supposed to go on to feud Goldust and Razor Ramon. It's not likely to happen, though. No, um, no. Uh Razor uh, may have had some uh, some qualms with the uh, with the creative uh, direction of that feud, right? Uh, which may have led to uh, some overall frustrations as well as some uh, future greener pastures taking him away from uh, Stanford. Right. So Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, Kevin Nash, aka Diesel, who you will later know as the Outsiders. Yes, they're not feeling WWF at the time, and they're kind of in the talks with getting out of their deals and uh, signing a new deal with yeah. WCW. WCW, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Razor was the first was the first one to uh, enter talks with uh, with Bischoff and everybody over there. And, uh, I mean, the, the main thing, I think, creatively, their their hearts were in WWF. Uh, their friends, obviously, uh, in uh, HBK and uh, The Kid and uh, one Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So their hearts were in WWF, but uh, Bischoff was putting serious money and guaranteed money. They'll have significantly less wrestling dates and guaranteed money, like you yeah. said. Yeah. And so they're in talks with Eric Bischoff, yeah, apparently around this time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Razor uh, get, gets gets word, and you know eventually uh, you know Kev follows suit. But uh, yeah, that's. In the beginning stages of those talks up in uh, early 96, where we are now. Exactly. And from then on, uh, Vince McMahon will kind of put the kibosh on Razor and Diesel and kind of slowly move them 
down the card, but Diesel is still a main player right now. Yep. Actually, in the WWF Championship match at the Royal Rumble, it's The Undertaker and Bret Hart, and they go 28-31, and it's a DQ. Yeah. And that's because Diesel comes out and attacks. Yeah, yeah, just kind of, uh, and this is sort of his uh, his official heel turn. He did sort of, you know, coming out of the Survivor Series 95, he, you know, was frustrated and, you know, sort of building that tension toward a heel turn. And then coming out and uh, costing Taker, who was, you know, like we mentioned in the last episode, it was sort of a babyface versus babyface situation with Brett and Taker at that point. Um, and so Cost and Taker, uh, his uh, title was, was sort of a definite um, solidifying the heel turn. Exactly. And then another big landmark moment, 1996 is the first pay-per-view appearance on WWF for Steve Austin. Yes. And he is actually known as the ringmaster. He's got blonde hair and the million dollar man right behind him. Yeah, Vince uh, was was sure that this was going to get him over. He put him with uh, Ted DiBiase, and they even brought back the old million-dollar title uh, to put on him. Uh, I don't know if he ever defended it. Yeah, I feel like he may, he may have defended it once he went, got into the uh, Savia Vega feud. But, yeah, they put, put the uh, infamous million-dollar championship on him, and uh, the fans weren't going for it as much. Not really feeling it. I remember him debuting, and I was like, whoa. This guy's pretty deadly, but it's a little boring. Yeah, yeah. All business, so sound in the ring, but, uh, you know, not not a lot going on in terms of promos or anything like that. Not that they really let, you know, let him loose, uh, so to speak, yet. But, um, yeah, I think DiBiase's inclusion was definitely a hindrance early in his career. Right. I think the more exciting thing for me was that he just had the million-dollar belt. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I, I, was, I was all about it too. I'm a belt mark. So he was actually supposed to be one of the final four in that Royal Rumble, but he slips on the ropes uh, with a spot with Fatu and eliminates himself. Yeah, yeah, bad, tough break for him. Uh, he's he's alluded to this on podcast since, and uh, yeah, just a, a quick slip, and you know, not not the way you want to you know handle it. Uh, your first, you know, you could call that a push. I mean, I think making it that late into the Rumble is definitely a push. Uh, and yeah, it kind of falls out and costs himself some momentum there. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. He'll, he'll get another shot. You think he's going to make it? You I don't know. Be okay? I don't know. I don't know how he'll be in these Royal Rumbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, later on February, 1996, we have Diesel is officially the heel, like you said, and Brett and him are set to go one-on-one in a steel cage match because they don't want the interference from the last time that they fought at Survivor Series, and they don't want anything that went on at Royal Rumble. Yep, nobody can get in that cage. No, not at all. Unless. Unless. You are a uh, quote-unquote phenom and uh, are able to come up from under the ring. Right. As was the case at, at this in your house pay per view. Um, this is something. Uh, this is something you remember vividly watching, dude. It's it's ingrained. Yeah. This is like I think this is the first time I'd ever seen the ring opened up. I, same here. Same here. That's you know any sort of like deconstruction of the ring was was unheard of at that point in WWF. Right. Um, and so we we get to the uh, climactic stages of uh, Brett and Diesel putting on a pretty good pretty good cage match. Not the best match that the two had had. It went it went pretty it went pretty long. It was about nineteen minutes. Yeah. It was wasn't the best cage match by no, far. No. But uh, 
Diesel and Brett performed better at Survivor Series, I'd say. Definitely. That's that that was the highlight of their feud. Um but yeah, so they get they they're building towards the finish of the match and then uh out from out of nowhere, uh you see uh smoke come up from the ring, uh and then you see the Undertaker's purple glove in the center of the ring. That, yeah. And uh as Diesel is crawling and trying to escape the cage, Undertaker drags him down into the ring as as smoke billows all around enabling Bret Hart to uh escape the cage and go into WrestleMania 12 as your champion. Um so this is obviously retribution for uh uh Diesel coming out and running interference at the Rumble uh but sets them up for their semi-main event at WrestleMania 12. Yep. One of my favorite matches too. Yeah. Um that's In Your House 6, and another build-up for this event that I had kind of overlooked is Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart. Uh, they have a match on this card, and it's actually to declare the number one contender for the title. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is a feud that has a lot of uh, things weaved into it, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen Hart, he has the claim of being the better heart over brett because he had beaten him before and yep. uh still wanted that title or yep. and not in the shadow of brett and he had also caused a storyline concussion to Shawn michaels in 1995 yeah yeah this was a very uh uh dramatic episode of uh of raw as i remember uh they uh owen hits him with his uh his enziguri, his enziguri which was always more of like he, it, the spot of course is always uh you know, somebody catches Owen's leg and he, you know, jumps for like, it feels like 30 seconds. It's not that long, but it feels like forever. Um, and then, you know, jumps up and catches them with the enziguri. So they do that spot in a match with, uh, against Sean and, uh, Sean's just out, out cold. Uh, they go to commercial break with Sean out and they, when they come back, this is like, again, something I remember watching as a kid and like, you know, being imprinted on me, uh, you know, Sean's like, they, they not, they don't just do a stretcher job. They like, I think Sean had an oxygen mask. Like they like were really selling like this was a, uh, trainers were out there. People that you didn't see normally. It was a little, it, it was trying to break the reality. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly was, uh, to some people there was women upset in the audience. I remember that small children. Yep. Yes, indeed. Bigger children. So they're they're set for that rivalry right there, and um, they go on to have a fifteen minute match. And wouldn't you know, Shawn Michaels kicked it out the park. Can't stop that boyhood dream. No, you can't. So the infamous Iron Man match is up next. We have March nineteen ninety six. This is March thirtieth in Anaheim, California. WrestleMania twelve. This is the one where I was. Seeing it live, yeah, I remember this the whole time. Brought a friend with me yeah. who wasn't really that big of a wrestling fan, but he yeah. still knew, yeah. uh, and he just would not shut up about Shawn Michaels. It, it made me so irritated. Was he was he talking shit about Shawn? No, he wanted Shawn Michaels to win. Oh, it's yeah, and, okay, yeah, and you're firmly in Brett's camp, right? Of course, and that was my guy. That he yeah. was the true champion. He was real to me. Yeah. He wasn't the fad. I was like Shawn Michaels. He he has always been like a cry baby like yeah. a heel to me in the yeah. back in the back yeah. and uh yeah he he kept saying that Shawn michaels was gonna win i was like no 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 <laughs> brett's definitely gonna win this is yeah. gonna be this is gonna be a good match brett's gonna win though you'll see yeah 
Ah, yeah. So we're there at my grandmother's. We're going through the event. Uh, Stone Cold wrestles his match against Savio Vega, a man that he would have a feud with and one of his favorite people to wrestle with. Yeah. Definitely an underrated feud, those two. I mean, like uh, the uh, strap match they would go on to have at an in your house was uh, was definitely uh, definitely the highlight of that. Mm-hmm. And that's coming up soon. That's um, they wrestled a ten minute match, and Stone Cold gets the victory after using the million dollar championship belt. He hits Savio against the head, and uh, when the referees turn, gets the victory, cheap victory there, but classic heel move. Yep. yep. Then you get Triple H. He's going against the returning Ultimate Warrior. And I think I was really surprised. Like I was really stoked to see WrestleMania because Ultimate, Ultimate Warrior's return, too. Yeah. This was the big hype on the show. Oh, yeah. It was it was a huge deal. Um, I I remember being excited about it. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they promoted it as if it were the main event. I mean, the deal that, that Warrior got when he came back in 96 was just ridiculous. Like, you know, there were comic books and... Uh, I think they were like hyping uh, some sort of training school, the the Warrior yeah, Academy, Warrior yep. Academy. So he had, he got all this stuff in the deal, and uh, so this was WrestleMania was his triumphant return. Um, and uh, yeah, goes in up goes in there against the uh, future COO of the company and uh, beats him in about like. One minute and thirty nine seconds. One minute and thirty nine seconds. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty fast. Yeah, Triple a- H said he had some other ideas for the match, and Jim Helwig, the Ultimate Warrior, just kind of nixed it. Was like, nah, nah, nah. we're gonna go a couple yeah. shoulder blocks, power slam. That's yeah. it. I'm out, brother. Yeah, and uh, I think no sells the pedigree, right? Because he takes a he takes a pedigree and yep. just gets right up. Yep. I don't think he even got his uh, his robe off. I think it's one of the only people to no sell the pedigree. Probably for, yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody else who would go on to get away with that. (laughs) (laughs) So then we have the ultimate epic Roddy Piper and Goldust match. The Hollywood backlot brawl. Yes, this is getting more into the attitude of the WWF as well, because it was supposed to be Razor and Goldust, but Razor gets, um, gets popped with... Um, drugs. Yep, and he's suspended. But it's coincidentally thirty days into his last bit of his contract, so you know he'll miss WrestleMania. It's kind of a punishment, basically, from Vince McMahon. Yeah, because yeah. he knows he's going to leave to WCW. Yeah, so uh, take that take that WrestleMania payday away from him and uh, kick him out the door. <laughs> yep. So Hot Rod is in. Roddy Roddy Piper is the president of the WWF at the time. Yes. And Goldust is making remarks towards him. Piper this, Piper that. And a little innuendo. Lots of innuendo. Yeah, he, uh, man, they were really going for it with this one. And uh, it's it's, uh, it's, un- it's a little uncomfortable to watch some of the, the back and forth promos because, like, you know, Piper says some, some, pretty, uh, some pretty inflammatory stuff in response. And it's, you know sort of demonizing gold dust but the, the things they were doing at this time were as you said definitely a harbinger of the uh of the attitude era of that edgy sort of content mm-hmm. um but yeah it leads you know the it leads these two to have back hollywood back Holly- brawl yes and that's a pretty 
pretty good one. It was taped earlier in the day or that weekend, I think. Yeah, I think it was taped before the actual day of the event, um, filmed uh, outside of the arena. And uh, there's some there's some quality stunt work in there. Uh, Gold Dust shows up in a in a gold Cadillac and runs Piper over Piper, of course, you know, having that background, not just in wrestling, but also in film uh, does the stunt. Uh, and he hit the shit out of him. <sighs> took that bump and these guys are beating the shit out of each other yeah. in this match yeah definitely um and i remember my grandmother and my aunt were like oh my this is wow this yeah. is pretty brutal um and they wet everything down just in case of rain but yeah. it always makes me laugh that in like rap videos at the time and anything like involving <laughs> pavement it was always wet yeah you know Wet pavement is like the key for Hollywood back then. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Adds a little shine and texture to everything. Exactly. <laughs> so they have this match, and then they do the O.J. Simpson, where Piper is chasing Gold Dust in his Gold Dust Gold Cadillac, but Piper gets into a a white Bronco, right? Yeah. And then they are, of course, in California. They do the O.J. Simpson uh, footage. Yeah, and they would they would cut to it throughout the night a few times, yeah, like in the two middle, or three times. Yeah, in the middle in the middle of matches, it would just be footage from the actual uh, OJ chase with Vince McMahon and Roddy Piper, you know, interview over top of it, and it's just it's so over the top and so ridiculous. But that's you know that's exactly the words that my grandmother used. She yeah, was like, it's this is ridiculous. Yeah, this. it's it's what hey, it's Hollywood. This? We make movies. Yep. Exactly. So the end of that match um, is Piper getting the victory, but he strips Gold Dust down and he has lingerie on. Yeah, again, this is my first exposure to a man in <laughs> women's clothing. How did your grandma react to that one? I don't remember. Yeah, did I'm you? Pretty sure they were laughing or yeah. kind of thinking it was ridiculous. But... <laughs> I, yeah, because I, 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 I would have been watching it with my family too, and I, I don't recall any sort of reaction from it. But uh, it was probably more is more uncomfortable than i actually felt at the time yeah yeah i'm sure it was and after that we have the semi-main event that we were talking about undertaker and diesel and that's a 16 minute match and undertaker gets the victory keeps the streak strong yep diesel makes him look good in this match definitely it's one of my favorite undertaker mania matches yeah yeah And, and a really good example of undertaker you know not it he doesn't like there. I think he sort of, especially early in his career at this point, had sort of a reputation for not being as good of a worker as he would become. This is like one of the Correct. one of the early, like really good Undertaker matches, and you can tell you know the level of respect that Kevin Nash and and Taker had for each other because they're um, they're putting it all out there and they make they make a memorable match. Exactly, and like you said, uh, Undertaker had before had a monster matches. Yeah, uh, Jimmy. The F- Superfly Snuka, that wasn't that good. No. Um, yeah. J- yeah, and then Jake the Snake. I mean, we can go. I don't mean to keep going down the list, but yeah, eventually settled into his his previous two matches were against Giant Gonzalez, which will always go down as the worst match in the history of the streak, and then uh, King Kong Bundy at eleven, which is no no prize either. No. So after a hard road, he gets a good victory in yeah. a hard fought match. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the epic main event, and this is this is it, man. It was an hour long. It was brutal. Yeah, 
uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, they go an hour and they call the bell. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. He won. He that's kept a, it. It's a draw. That's the rules. They went Broadway. He yeah. won. Yeah. You okay. got to beat the champion to get the belt. Exactly. That's the rules. It's done. My guy won. Yeah. No. Gorilla Monsoon. He comes out. Gorilla Monsoon is now the acting president because Piper was active as a wrestler. Right. So Gorilla Monsoon comes out and he says that this match will go to a sudden death. Yeah, and they really milked this this too, and it, it definitely added to the drama because Brett uh, takes the belt and is just about to leave leave the entranceway, and uh, they there's that classic shot of when Finkel announces it, and Brett turns around just with this look of bewilderment on his face, and I what? think you and I had probably had the same look on our faces uh, in a, at our young age. Um, of just like, there's no way he uh, says what? Yeah. And then he mouths, this is bullshit. Yeah. Again, getting into that, into that edge. Yes, indeed. And they come back and it's goes one minute and 52 seconds. Brett collides into the corner, turns around, takes a sweet chin music. One, two, three counts the lights boyhood yeah. dream achieved. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels is in the ring, and he tells Earl Earl Hebner to to tell Brett to get the fuck out of his ring. Yeah, apparently, allegedly. Um, I think I don't think Shawn has ever admitted to actually saying that, but he hasn't denied. I think you know he he tries to, he tries to paint a better picture, but I think that's you know that's exactly what happened when you. When you watch the Rivals DVD that mm-hmm. they had come out with, with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels talking about the uh, rivalry that they had had, um, it, he's Shawn Michaels' excuse is always, "I uh, yeah, I guess I um, I don't know if I had, uh, I you know, I guess I yeah, I don't know. You know I, I used to take yeah. a lot of pills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if I had said that or if I if he said that, I I might have said that. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So he he he's trying to not take uh take take responsibility fully but he still knows that he was a dick back then oh for sure yeah so that's it man it's it's the Shawn michaels era yeah and i was so pissed i was not i was not on board um was never too big of an hbk fan and you know i remember being uh feeling very you know uncertain about brett's future as i mean as it was at that point and just like you know, I've you know, kind of flipping the channel over to WCW a little bit more in in, in the wake of this, and exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, I would be watching WCW Monday Night M- Monday Nitro. Um, we had we had <laughs> there was where I lived at the time. There was um, my uncle who was the same age. We lived. I lived with my grandfather at the time, mm-hmm. and my uncle who was the same age had a. Uh, we had a little room for ourselves with the TV. And then if the parents weren't around, there was the TV in the living room. So I tried to make sure that there was two TVs running both programs. It didn't work out all the time, but yeah, Yeah. I tried that. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's always worth a shot. I mean, if you can have both going and you just run back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, before I was able to get a, TV with the VHS and the automatic recording time. Yeah. I bought that specifically for wrestling. Uh, that was a birthday present. That's so cool. And it, it, you know, I could set the time for when it would start to record and then end recording. But that all 
obviously didn't work out because WWF and WCW started feuding so much over the ratings that uh, one would start at like 7.58 yeah. and one would end at like 11.02 or something. Yep. And uh, it would cut off sometimes, so yeah. I'd miss important things. Always head to head. Always <laughs> always up in the ante. So, yeah, what I would do is I would use the TV with the recorder to record the program that I wasn't watching and then watch one on live TV. Yeah. Yeah. I tried as much as I could. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the best the best way to do that. <laughs> and entering into April, Diesel and Razor are definitely set up for WCW now. Yeah. Um, we're going into April 28th, 1996. It's good friends, better enemies. Yeah, yeah. so Razor is pretty much out of the picture at this point, but uh, Big Kev sticks around and uh, works a program with his buddy, the newly crowned champion. Um, and they have... You know, pretty pretty stiff feud going. Um, the match is the match is pretty brutal. It's a it's a no holds barred match. First time I remember hearing the term no holds barred and like not fully grasping you know what that meant or the idea that like it's not really holds that are 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 the concern, but it's pretty much just no disqualification match. Right. Um. But yeah, they go into in your house, and I don't know how you feel about this match. I I really like it. I liked it too. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, additives too because uh. Hugo Savinovich, one of the Spanish announcers, he gets his shoe taken off by Shawn Michaels, his boot, rather, and Shawn Michaels uses the boot against him. And then also Mad Dog Vachon, who is an amputee, a former wrestler, but he's missing a leg. Uh, Diesel pushes him over towards the end of the match, (laughs) grabs the prosthetic leg. He goes to use it, low blow from Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels takes the leg, uses it against Diesel, <laughs> sweet chin music, and he wins the match. Yeah, just what an epic ending, bonkers. And I mean, like, you know, obviously not fully into the Attitude Era, but this was like, and I feel like if the, if that happened, if that finish happened in 1998 with Stone Cold and you know whoever, I think that it would have felt you know, you know, right, right in place. But the fact that this was going on and like just eat. It's still kind of crazy to yeah. think about. He took he took his, you know, <clears throat> prosthetic leg and used it as a weapon. This is something different for WWF. Um yeah. because at, at at the time they they were more they were staying to tradition of yeah. their their ways. And WCW on the other hand, 95, 94, they did wild things like uncensored and had their uh what was that back the blacktop bully. Oh, the infamous uh, Dustin Rhodes, the, the hay barrel match. Yeah, where they're on a, uh, they literally work on a uh, on a uh, hay truck yep, while it's driving sixty miles down the highway. Yeah, and I think that's that. I think they both got fired for blading during that match, yep. which yep. is r- ridiculous. But and that's what you know sends Dustin Reynolds uh, packing his bags for. Uh, for uh, WWF, where he would become gold dust. Exactly. So WCW has tried all these wacky things. It's kind of different to see WWF incorporate little wacky bits, but they're doing it solid. Yeah. And it, it's got meaning behind it, too. They're not just throwing it out there. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, there's hate. There, You know, like, it, it's, it's, you know, it's used in a way that furthers the storyline. Right. So, actually... Before the main event, Vader does square off against Razor Ramon, and he beats him. Oh, he does. This okay. is setting yeah. up Vader. Yeah, and Vader's a big acquired talent from WCW as well. Yes, yeah. He, I mean, it's 
He was WCW champion. He was WCW champion. Um, you know, and they brought him in surprisingly. Like him and Mark Marrow, the Wild Man, uh, were the uh, were the two big signings from WCW in early '96. And surprisingly, I think Marrow got the got the better deal. Marrow was like the first person Vince ever gave guaranteed money to. Wow, uh, which is surprising, you know, considering that he had you know Diesel and you know Razor, you know, about to walk out the door and still is you know willing to do this, but. Yeah, Vader is is getting the big push. He debuts at the Rumble um, and takes out Gorilla Monsoon. Big shock value, and then they kind of squander his WrestleMania twelve. Like he, I mean, he was supposed to have the match with Yokozuna, but I don't think Yokozuna could really go too well. Okay, and yeah. I don't know if they saw the potential in the match that well. So yeah. they team Vader up with Cornette, and he had already had an alliance with Bulldog mm-hmm. and. Uh, Owen to an extent. Mm. So those three go against Jake, Ahmed, Johnson, Jake, the snake Roberts, Ahmed Johnson and Yokozuna. And yeah. Yeah. So that it's a pretty fun, uh, it's a fun little six man tag. And I didn't realize that it was supposed to be Yoko and Vader one-on-one, but I can definitely see why they wanted to cover up Yoko. He was, uh, you know, he's getting, he's getting, gearing towards 600 pounds. Yeah. At this time. Getting way up there. And, and fortunately it would only get worse. Exactly. So we have that match with Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Uh, after the event goes off the air, we have some dark matches that take place. And it's Savio Vega defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin. See, at the time, they had the In Your House matches, mm-hmm. or In Your House pay-per-views, where they would have five that aired on pay-per-view, and the pay-per-views were maybe about two hours long. Yeah, yeah. And... Then they would have dark matches for the fans after the pay-per-view went off the air. None that were ever seen. Mm -hmm. But we had Savio Vega defeating Steve Austin, Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating who you spoke about earlier, Mark Merrow. And then we have Undertaker defeating Mankind. Mankind, another big acquired uh, superstar from from WCW. WCW, yeah. But he went to Japan in between ECW. Yeah, ECW yeah. had some death matches with Terry Funk. Yeah, Mankind debuts the day after WrestleMania 12 and yeah. attacks The Undertaker. And Mankind is this deranged character. He's doing a elbow drop down to from the ring apron onto the concrete floor. He's risking his body. This is more attitude. Yeah, definitely, and 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 legitimately scary in a way that's not. I mean, not that The Undertaker didn't scare people when he first showed up, but this is scary and like a more, it felt more like an actual horror movie. Uh, like the vignettes were all shot in like, you know, dark cellars and he would, he would be shrieking and he would be pulling his own hair out. Um, and I remember like, he, I mean, especially as a kid, like that's, uh, it's creepy. Like it, it took, it took its effect. It worked. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like the pulling of the hair and like, yeah. And like, remember he would like rock back and forth. And like, I seriously was trying to figure out if he was a wrestler that I'd seen before because mm-hmm. he had the mask Yeah, and I couldn't figure it out. And I thought maybe it was a really deranged person. This is yeah. where they were getting me as a child. Yeah. I, I was, you know, oh, I, why are they letting this guy in the building? Right. Because as a child, I, I, I knew, I thought wrestling was real. And then I knew it was kind of fake. Cause my grandfather would be like, ah, it's fake. Yeah. Yeah. Don't watch the live TV down here. It's fake. Go watch your record. <laughs> um, so I knew it was fake, but then there was moments where I would be like, no, see, that's real. This, that's though, gotta yeah. be like, there's something yeah. to that. 
And I think that's where I, I still miss the uh, flavor of the wrestling is where there's realness blurring, blurring lines it happens yeah. sometimes i mean you know Bro- any given brock lesnar match will have that exactly and not that i look for somebody to get hurt or anything like that i uh, just, just i want more real physicality in the match i've seen a lot of matches since then few and far in between that yeah. do categorize that way but it doesn't happen like it does in this era we're talking about right now definitely yeah and in this era is When we have the curtain call, we're gearing up for May 1996 now. Yes. Hall and Nash, their last contracted match for the WWF takes place on May 19th, 1996, and that's at the Madison Square Garden. That's home of the WWF. That is the home base. It's hollowed ground. It's where Vince Sr. ran that building, you know, countless times. Bruno San Martino, you know, go down the line. This is this is the home base for for WWF. If there's one place you don't want to uh, do anything to disrespect the business in Vince's eyes, like this is not where you want to do that. Exactly. So, speaking of disrespecting the business, we have Nash who's wrestling as a heel, and Triple H who's wrestling as a heel. Triple H wrestles Scott Hall in that event, and then later on. Shawn Michaels takes on Diesel, uh, Kevin Nash. And at the end, they drop everything, and they all come out in the steel cage. Mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Razor Ramon, and Diesel all hug each other, hold their arms up, and pose to the crowd. It gets a mixed reaction, too. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think especially all the uh, you know sort of the smart fans are are, are shocked uh, because you have uh, HBK and Razor who are baby faces and uh, Triple H and Diesel who are are heels and so you know now in sort of like a post kayfabe era like where you know nobody really tries to uphold that because everybody knows you know everybody looks at wrestling for what it is um but back then you know it wasn't as serious as it was you know in the 80s or the 70s where you know guys would have to ride in separate cars or that sort of thing but definitely nothing in front of the fans that would uh sort of break down that illusion and right here they are at madison square garden tearing that wall down right like you said if you were a bad guy you were a bad guy and they took like a lot of steps to intricately put you as a good guy then to twist your character it didn't just happen all of a sudden out of nowhere yeah uh there was a lot of story and background into it because you you legitimately thought this was either a good guy or a bad guy um and that's how i felt too but apparently this broke everything for them i didn't know this happened at the time no, yeah, I mean, it was a house show, so it's not like they did it on live TV, but, you know, doing it in front of that big crowd in New York City, um, and of course, lo and behold, you know, it gets out because, you know, they had some fans who had brought a camcorder in um, and got the incident on tape, and that would go on to be, you know, internet lore, you know, to this day, um, is that is that fan cam footage of the, uh, of the, of the curtain call, but, you know, even... And they say that's the moment when kayfabe was broken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's as if you're going to pinpoint it, that's that's as good a place to stick that pen as anywhere. And I, I knew that there was wrestling magazines at the time. Mm-hmm. I would see them, and, but I didn't know that there was a Wrestling Observer or things behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I just didn't know that that existed. And yeah, I, I can't imagine how my world would be if I had known that then. 
yeah. rather than knowing it a couple years later when I did get smart to it. Yeah, I thought I was getting I thought I was getting the scoop reading WWF magazine, you know? I thought <laughs> I was like, oh man. By articles by Vic Venom. Vic Venom, let's see. Look, Vic Venom tells it straight, buddy. Right. All this other stuff is fake, but what Vic Venom writes is uh, you know, hand to God. <laughs> so WWF has um that incident on their hand, but uh, but Razor and Diesel are going. They're gone. Yeah. Uh, Shawn Michaels is your champion. You can't really punish him too much. The yeah. only guy left is Triple H. Yeah, and meanwhile, I mean, I think part of that too is the fact that Brett's gone. Maybe if Brett was there, you know, Vince would have been pissed enough to to do a quick switch and put it back on Brett. But yeah, he's the champ. There's no heir apparent to him at the time, and so yeah, that leaves Hunter left holding the bag. Right. And like you said, Brett's gone. He's taking a break at this mm-hmm. time. He also gets offered a WCW contract. He does. Yeah. And a very lucrative one. Yes, indeed. And he's weighing the options. But he's on the he's on the outfield. He's riding the bench right now. Yeah. He's just swimming laps in his pool thinking about it. Exactly. That indoor pool. Yeah. So nice. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we have WWF punishing Triple H for now on. Um this this is going to be a hard year for him. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and because he's got to he's got to he's got to suffer those consequences of breaking the kayfabe. Yeah, but we will reap the benefits of it because beware of dog comes up next. That's the next in your house pay per view that was building up for Michaels and British Bulldog. Yes, and there was an incident where Clarence Mason, who is the British Bulldog's manager and lawyer at the time, yeah. Uh, they they have a subpoena for Michaels to throw him off his game, saying that he had come on to Diana Smith, who is Bret Hart's sister and real-life wife of British Bulldog, and causing a strain in their marriage. <laughs> so the timing of the subpoena is attempt to throw him off, but it, it doesn't really work. And neither does this pay-per-view. This pay-per-view yeah. is taped twice. The first one is on May 26, 1996, and they get a storm coming through, and the power cuts out to the pay-per-view. Yeah. So you get a lot of matches in the dark. The lights are out. Um, Then you have the main event where everything kind of comes back on. It's Shawn Michaels and Bulldog. They wrestle a great match here. I love this match. Me too. too. And I thought Bulldog could have had a chance. Um, legitimately watching as a child. Yeah. Um, Bulldog accidentally runs into Earl Hebner, knocking him out. So Mike Kyoto, the other referee, comes out. Uh, so we have two referees going at the same time. They're both kind of getting to their feet as the climax of the match is happening. Seventeen twenty-one. Michaels goes for a suplex, and they, him and Bulldog, both have their shoulders down. Each referee counts the opposite guy's shoulders. Yeah. So they call this a no contest. They raise the hand of one person, raise the hand of other, you know. Yeah. They can't yeah. come to a decision. This is a no contest. It's kind of a stinker of an ending, especially since you got like dark matches and yeah. yeah, it would not it would not be fun to be in the audience for this original uh original taping. But yeah, they go with the uh the infamous double pin. Right. So the next week is actually, they usually had tapings of Raw. This is kind of before they went full live. Yeah. But the next night live on WCW Nitro, 
who appears in the crowd? It's Scott Hall. And like we had just seen him on, on WWF TV. So he comes out of the crowd and he takes a mic and he says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. You want a war? Hey, Sting, I had a big surprise for you. So it's him challenging the WCW guys, and he's making it appear that he is still this character, Razor Ramon. Yeah, same uh, same voice that you just nailed, uh, had the toothpick. The whole nine, like he is, you know, they don't call him Razor Ramon, but he walks out there as Razor Ramon. Exactly. And I was like, oh my gosh. Now seeing Hogan on WCW TV was weird for me. Macho too. Then a couple other guys. But then seeing this to where he's acknowledging the other company. Yeah. That's what kind of threw it for me. I was like, whoa. Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. And not just acknowledging, but, uh, you know. You know, I like like you said, challenging a guy like Sting, who is you know one of the faces of WCW, um, and and really playing into that that real life you know war that is you know has been going on for years and will continue for a few more years. Exactly. So then the next night, May twenty eighth, nineteen ninety six, supposed to be a Superstars taping. They retape the rest of. The Beware of Dog, the matches that were kind of blocked by the light. And that's where you get Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating. Oh, I'm sorry. That's where you get Savio Vega defeating Stone Cold ah, Steve Austin. Savio went in a over. Caribbean strap match. Yeah. Yep. 21 minutes there for that one. What a hell of a match that was. They beat the hell out of each because other. Because they beat the hell out of yeah. each other the night, two nights before, and then had to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Austin talks about this on his podcast. He yeah. says he wasn't a fan of it. I can only imagine, yeah. <laughs> then you also have a setup for another big heel for Shawn Michaels to face. Vader beats Yokozuna. This is their first little singles match that we get exposed to. Eight-minute match, not that great. Yoko goes over. I mean, Vader goes over Yoko. Yeah. So he's building up big heel for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Someone for Shawn to possibly conquer. We'll see. June 1996, June 23rd, 1996, King of the Ring. This is a big one. Yep. This is a big one because uh, Triple H was supposed to win this one. Yeah. But he loses in the first round to Jake the Snake Roberts. To uh, 40-something Jake the Snake. Yeah, he's uh, overweight. Not looking that good in the ring. Not looking good, wrestling in a vest. um, And uh, not, yeah, not looking his best. Uh, And yeah, so we, like we had mentioned before, you know, Triple H was the one left holding the bag for the curtain call. So this is his comeuppance. And I mean, King of the Ring is, is, is a huge deal. Um, You know, it's, this is, you know, obviously pre Money in the Bank era, but I mean, uh, somebody who would go on to be King of the Ring would be slated for bigger things. I mean, the year before, you know, you say what you want about Mabel, but, uh, you he know, did get a title match. He did get a title match at SummerSlam. So, I mean, and the it's... year before that, Owen as well. Owen, yeah. So, and the year before that, Bret Hart. So it really is like their, their money in the bank of that era. And I mean, it was, you know, right in that, like, Right smack and dab in the middle between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, sort of how they you know built their feud to the second biggest show of the year. Um, so, missing out on um, King of the Ring, while you know he may or may not have gotten that title shot uh, against Shawn, um, it's it's a big deal and it's a it's a huge price to pay. 
Right. And it leaves an opportunity. Yes, indeed. And it's an opportunity for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, it doesn't seem like it because I watched this event um, only days after it had took in place. Uh, I didn't have the black box capability yet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't see those yeah. live. Yeah. But my aunt and uncle would tape them mm-hmm. and make sure that I would get them like the week of. Awesome. So I wasn't too far behind. Nice. I remember watching this thinking, Jake, the snake's going to win this. <laughs> Jake's you gonna- thought so? <laughs> yeah, I seriously <laughs> did. Uh, Stone Cold is in a match with Mark Marrow. That's the semifinal match. It's a 17-minute match. Great. Stone Cold gets busted open real bad here. Uh, yeah. Split all the way in half. Like, his his lip is just open. Oh, it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets taken uh, to a facility, stitched up. They said he didn't, but he did. Yeah. Um, gets stitched up. He comes back. And he's ready to take on Jake the Snake Roberts, who beats Vader. Yeah. But that's only because of disqualification. So Jake's really hurt in this match. Yeah. Uh, Vader beat the hell out of him. They keep Vader strong, yeah. but uh, he, he loses the King of the Ring tournament. Right, right. And so in the time between when he is uh, being rushed back from the hospital, uh, you know, minutes before the main event, again, well, the, the, the final against Jake, um, so he's obviously missed the show, and he runs into uh, Doc Hendricks, who uh, is, which is the uh, the gimmick name of Michael Hayes at the time. Hey, and, uh, Doc Hendricks. Hey. WWF shot zone. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, kind of, you know, t- the, the infamous story that's been told a million times is that he talks to, uh, Michael Hayes and just to get a feel for what's been going on in the show. And Michael Hayes, just for whatever reason, uh, mentions that Jake quoted, you know, had, had a religious themed promo had quoted Austin, Jake quoted the Bible <laughs> <laughs> and then a, a light bulb goes off in Austin's head. That's worth about, I don't know how many millions of dollars. And he whoops Jake Jake's ass in the finals. And yeah. it's four minutes, four and a half minutes. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And he gets up on there and I was like, whoa, a bad guy won this. Like, yeah. I mean, I had seen a bad guy win it before, but Stone Cold at the time was a nasty bad guy. Yeah. And uh, he was the first to completely wholesale reject. They had the ridiculous crown, cape and scepter. And uh, Austin, I, I don't know if he actually like throws it down or anything, but he doesn't put it on. So he's just, you know, he's pissed off and he's doing that interview with Doc Hendricks. And yep. this is the uh, the infamous Austin 316 promo. Yep. He says, you sit there and pump your Bible. Call him your. Can you. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you quote your Psalms and your John 316. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. And then Doc goes, whoa, whoa, right after that. Yeah, that's yeah, but I mean, in the in the same promo, calls out everybody in the company, calls out, you know, HBK and Bulldog here in the main event. This is him serving notice that this is, you know, this is soon to be the Stone Cold show. Right. So we're gearing towards that. How exciting. Also, earlier in the card, we have Ahmed Johnson defeating Goldust to become the Intercontinental Champion. So he's top ranked there. Yep. Ahmed! <laughs> I loved him. He was he was huge, big, stocky black dude that was just a wrecker. Yeah. And obviously not safe in the ring now that I watched the matches not, back. Not safe at all. That Pearl River plunge is... <laughs> 
Lucky he didn't break anybody's neck with it. But, yeah, uh, yeah. This and then uh, and then another. You know, Goldust was you know always pushing the envelope. Uh, we mentioned the backlot brawl. This was the same feud where uh, he does mouth to mouth resuscitation on Ahmed yes. in an episode of Raw. Yes, leading up to this match, I think, and uh, uh, that was like one of the you know one of the early edgy Raw segments too. Yes, indeed, and. We also have the rematch from last card. It's Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog. Yeah. Uh, it's a singles match for the WWF title, and Mr. Perfect is a special outside enforcer. But he was in the heels uh, locker room before and yada yada. So yeah. there's some type of collusion there, but not really. It doesn't really come down to it. 26-24, yeah. this, uh, this is over. Shawn Michaels wins this one. But um, then at the end... We get Camp Cornette coming out. That's Owen and Vader beating yep. down on uh, Shawn Michaels. And then we get Ahmed coming for the save. And then the Warrior comes in for the save. Yes. And watching this back, it is so bizarre. Because uh, you have the three faces that are like the top guys in the company at the time. Yeah. It's Ahmed warrior and michael's three top faces ahmed and warrior yeah it's, yeah it's but a weird combination sean hugs warrior in this weird fake way it's like, like the strangest thing i've ever seen he's just like hey, i'm not gonna get too much warrior on me but uh no yeah i mean uh like i i'm sure like at this point i mean warrior is is getting the big money so sean's definitely trying to protect his spot i mean exactly and sean was around you know as a part of the rockers for warriors first run and you know uh, warrior's been known to you know not do business in the best way and he represents you know it even until i think Vince bringing Warrior back was like the last gasp of Vince trying to get back to that era of like the Giants, right? The you know? the Hogan esque, yeah, yeah. So even as you know, Brett has his run and Sean is beginning his run, he's still like trying to get back to that era. He's trying to um, you know grasp his straws to get there, and he brings Warrior in. And was this uh, he was I, he was gone pretty soon after this, right? yeah, right? Like almost after this, man, yeah. June. July 7th, he's gone. Um, Warrior is missing some dates. He says it's because of his dad's, his father's death, but he was estranged from his father and never really around <laughs> his father. Um, and he missed some dates before his father's death, Yeah, but said that it was because of his father's Maybe death. Maybe he had like a premonition. Yes, a premonition. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Warrior's in and out. And yeah. For, for lack of a better term, uh, I'm fine with that. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with it. I've, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, it's no one to speak ill speak ill of the dead. But uh, I was, I don't think I've, except for his matches with Macho. Yeah, uh, I don't think I could see what direction WWF would go with Ultimate Warrior. Would would they even put the title back that's on a good him? Point, Where yeah. would they have even stood from this? from this contract could you imagine next year out yeah could you imagine warrior in the attitude era no the, the attitude era was all about realness right you know and and ultimate or ultimate warrior was just the opposite of that he was a gimmick o- over top over the top gimmick you know fill the rocket ship with the jet fuel oh hogan hulk hogan kogan it's k-o-g-a-n kogan <laughs> 
so Warriors gone. Yep. They need to hire somebody to come in and they get good old Sid Vicious. <laughs> they hire him back. Um, he was around in 1995 as a good heel there. Yep. And uh, even as early as 92. Yes, indeed. Yeah. He was supposed to be the next Hogan. Yeah. Uh, that didn't, didn't work out. Didn't as well. pan out now. No. So Sid is the replacement for Ultimate Warrior here. And they're going to go against Camp, Camp Cornette at the next pay per view. Uh, but before that, we got something going on in July, man. It's Bash at the Beach. Yeah. That's. In Daytona Beach, Florida, July 6th. And I saw this one live. Did you? Yeah. Yes, indeed. I was out of school at this time. And I went over to my aunt and uncle's, the one that used to tape it. And my uncle, um, he was a big wrestling mark back in the day. He used to watch all the NWA stuff. And awesome. He knew the names yeah. and everybody. Ken Patera fan. <laughs> Ken Patera mark. There's not I, many of them. No, I know. But he used to <laughs> talk about him like he was everything. Yeah. Um. We're watching it live. There's a lot of adults there, and I'm uh, I'm there with the one friend that I had before with the WrestleMania 12, um, and we're watching this thing go down, and it is Hall and Nash against Sting, Luger, and Savage, and they're supposed to be a mystery partner, and who appears? It's Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yes, indeed. Presumably coming to save the day. But whose side is he on? Whose side? That is, I don't remember that even being said. Yeah, you don't? No. No, not at the time. Uh, Hulk Hogan comes out, and we were like, oh, whoa. We thought he was going to save it. Yeah, because Luger gets knocked out of that match early on. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And apparently the rumors are that Luger was supposed to be the guy that they were gearing towards. Yeah. Um, there was also some other names like Tatanka. I've heard Sting. I've, I've heard, heard Sting as well. Yeah, Sting was Bischoff's uh, backup plan for that. Yep. Which would have been interesting as well. Very true. But Hogan comes out, drops the leg on Savage. Turns. Big moment. This is huge, man. He had been a face since 1981. And the face of wrestling, too. Made the WrestleMania. Made everything. And now he's a bad guy. Solidified bad guy. And he's joined up with these WWF guys from New York. And he's talking about it in that way. Yeah. he's goes on to say, you know, brother, I, Bischoff hired me, brother, and dude, and we got this thing, and just to put it, I'm bored, brother. <laughs> and he says that clear out, and the, the fans are raining down with garbage, garbage, everything. Yeah. And this right here is the new world order of professional wrestling, brother. <laughs> it's perfect. Yes, indeed. That's what he says. And right after he says that, one of my uncle's friends says, you used to be NWA. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what he was talking about at the time. So I'm just like, that's hilarious. NWA. I said, it used to be NWA. I'm kind of confused. (laughs) That's great. NWO was formed there. That's really huge for what builds the tension between WWF and WCW. Because now WCW has something solid that is driving their TV and it's this NWO force. And it's because you got two guys from New York that turned the, turned the viewership up. Then you get the main guy that was from New York from the past. Yeah. He's heel and he's the leader of it all. And he's a great heel. I hated Hulk Hogan at this time 
because of the heel turn type deal. Yeah. But I thought I always thought Nash and Razor were cool, but Hogan, now that I watch him back, classic. He's yeah. so good. Yeah, I mean he could I if you just look at it, you know, from his perspective, the creative, you know, what a shift that is and all all this stuff that he could never do. Um, as a face for all those years now it's just wide open and you know there were some growing pains in in in, um in the in the heel turn for sure i remember uh seeing an interview with like nash i think and they were talking about like how uh when they were cutting those early nwo promos he was trying to be the same hulk well you know i'll tell you yeah and they're like no you gotta like you gotta be cool about it and they're trying to be you know edgy they're trying to you know sort of portray this uh um yeah, this this whole thing, and he was he was kind of going going with that instinct to go over the top, but eventually he settled into it, and he was a damn good heel for that first run. Yes, indeed, and always patron. The best part was that he always patronized like an old person in the audience, yeah. and they really like wanted to get him. There was a couple times where it was like an old lady yeah. or somebody just barking back at him, and he just plays it up to the, to the to the T. He's and, he's he's a classic heel. And these were not stunt grannies. No, these were real grandmas. <laughs> they were probably watching NWA back in the day. <laughs> I was like, I, that was NWA. <laughs> so from this big heat up that WCW and now the newly formed NWO, they, they get all this heat behind them. We got this lackluster shit going on in WWF, man. Yeah. July 21st, 1996, In Your House 9, International Incident. It's an international it's very, silent fart. Yeah, it's it's forgettable. Very, yeah. very forgettable. Stone Cold defeats Mark Marrow. Okay, that's that's his that's his come up. It's from King of the Ring. He's facing the guy that he had beat already, yeah. but he's solidifying that yes, I did win and I won for a reason. Definitely. Then we got Camp Cornette. That goes on. Camp Cornette wins here, man. Interesting. The heels go over. Vader pins the champion. And what a better way to set it up because Vader will go on to face Shawn Michaels at the next pay-per-view, SummerSlam. And that's August 1996. In Cleveland. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I remember that one. But guess what this is sponsored by? Stridex, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You remembered. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. Stridex. This was like... You know, this was big at the time. Yeah. I don't know if our many of our viewers will know what it is. Hopefully, some no, will. But uh, no, it, yeah. it was acne pads, swipes. You know, it yeah. was for breakouts. You would put it on your face, and the 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 commercials always all the time were a kid slightly older than me, maybe like twelve or <laughs> yeah. something, had like one little red dot, and then yeah. would use the pad or whatever, and then it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's gone. Magic. I. I actually wanted to get acne so I could get Stridex. You thought it was cool? I don't know why. Yeah. Ah. That was good advertising, man. It was. It was. So good. They made it seem very cool. I think, you know, I think the kid in the commercial would always get the girl at the end. You know, that, that helps. But, uh, and the other thing I remember about the, the reason Stridex, uh, you know, sticks out is because this was the era when WWF would have a gigantic blimp in like a 15,000 seat arena. <laughs> And this thing would just be like slowly moving around and like blocking, you know, blocking the view for like multiple sections of fans. People in the 300s, 400s. Yeah. yeah. Like, God damn it. It's Move just out like of the way Stridex went. So out of place. Yeah. So this is sponsored by Stridex. And we have in this match, or in this card, we have a good buildup. Um, 
it, actually some things come to light for me because I remember watching the free for all for this. And this is where we get into the sexual uh, era of the attitude bl- oh. blossoming. We have Todd Pettengale <laughs> and he's back there and he is talking to Sonny who blonde, beautiful, bodacious, Sunny, voluptuous. Yeah. Sonny in 1996 was. Yeah. Some, so something to see. He's talking to her about where's her yellow bikini. He wants to see the yellow bikini. She said she took, she threw her top at him the last time and never got the top back. And he said, Oh, well, I, uh, I don't know if you, you'd want it back. I don't remember that. That's Dude. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I watched that earlier today. He says that. Wow. Yeah. That's a reference that's going that's, over my head at the time. Yeah. But not now. No. <laughs> uh, so then right after that, Sable's in the background. And another big reason that Mark Merrow got hired is because he's because he brought his wife, Sable, Rena Merrow, with him and to the interview with Vince McMahon. And they saw big money in her. Two big dollar signs. Yeah. One to the left, one to the right. <laughs> and he says, wow, look at Sable in the bathing suit. Oh, my God. Wow. Goes over to talk to her. But then eyes Marlena. Marlena has a cut open V uh, bikini. And this is a bikini beach blast off is what they're supposed to be having at the beginning of this free for all. Yeah. And it's, you know, just women in bikinis. Nothing to do with wrestling. No, no. Before we had faces like Miss Elizabeth or uh, Missy Hyatt. And they, they were pretty and yeah but they were like you know miss elizabeth of course would always be wearing like a very classy looking you know uh cocktail dress or a night night (laughs) nightgown um but yeah there was none of this like over the top like an entire like live segment of like all right well here here are some girls here's some girls to look at yeah the only thing close i could say was maybe sherry and luna with their ring attires but they were like villains so i didn't see it as sexual in a way it was yeah like threatening now when I watch back, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so also leading into that, uh, you got to think uh, WrestleMania 11, who comes out with Diesel and Sean? Pamela Anderson. And Jenny McCarthy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Both Playgirl, Playboy models. Yep. And that's that's leading me to where I think Vince McMahon saw... All right, we get we get these involved, and then they, they know who they are, and they're jerking off to them. We throw them in there. We get, everybody's gonna blow their load, pretty much. That's what I'm thinking. He was uh, was going on in his brain. Yeah. So we have that bikini beach blast, but um, before that, we got Stone Cold. He's called Stone Cold now, yeah. and he's got a nice sweet vest with this blue and white design that. It's hardly ever seen. It's Stone Cold with a star on the back. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like the Dallas, uh, the yeah. Dallas Cowboys design in yeah, a way, but yeah, but yeah, better. So we got Stone Cold going up against Yokozuna, six hundred something plus pounds, yeah, nearing seven hundred. Yeah, poor Yoko. He was he was starting to get off the rail. I mean, he was well off the rails at this point, and it would get worse for a while. This is the infamous match where uh, he goes for the bonsai drop, correct? Yes, and, and the top rope breaks. Yeah. But looking back, it was planned. You think so? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he pulls so hard on it, and I see the, the, the ropes, 
the the strands around the turnbuckle just loosening with it and the way he falls back and Austin rolls and just covers him it's it's too planned for me to think that that was something that happened on this on the fly yeah yeah and that makes sense I haven't I haven't gone back and watched that one in forever but uh if you see it he yeah. yanks the hell out of that yeah on purpose but a great finish because it's a way to keep Austin strong because basically in this match he's doing a lot of clotheslines, swapping on, um, swatting at Yokozuna, and then he tries to go for a crossbody. Yokozuna catches him with a Samoan uh, backdrop, and then basically he's going for the bonsai drop after that. Yeah. And boom, boom, Austin over. And as Austin's leaving, he says, I just whooped the biggest piece of ass in WWF. (laughs) And he did. And that puts him over big. Yokozuna, a two-time champion, and they say that beforehand. And they're really trying to push Austin at this at this time. Yeah, it's it's a significant victory, even though it was you know relegated to the free for all uh, pre-show. It was it, it was you know continuing to set him up because you know he he would have a big feud coming up very soon. Yep. And then we get. Another kind of first for the WWF. We have the first ever ever boiler room brawl. That's Mankind and Undertaker. Yeah. Did you like that match? I love this match. Um, it's set up uh, so they 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 start in the boiler room and you win the match. The first person they had the you know because Mankind was you know trying to steal the urn at this point like most like like many a heel have done over the years and would continue to do. Um, so the uh, the urn was set up in the middle of the ring. They started in the boiler room, and whoever gets to the urn first is the winner of the match. Um, so uh, there's a, a significant most of the match is set up, um, and I don't I'd be I need to go back and, and read. I'm not sure if it was live or not, like the brawling. I don't believe you don't think so. I don't yeah. believe so either. Yeah. I didn't get into that in my it, details. Uh, you guys can email us in or send us hate mail if yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah, trying to get deep. Trying to get deep in my details. Yeah. It's a lot of research, I know. But I'm. But the main goal here is for us to catch up to the timeline of 1997. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, in that match, what happens? This is the infamous turn of uh, Paul Bear. Yes, indeed. Paul Bear, for the first time, turns on The Undertaker. And I remember this hurting my heart. Oh, my God. It hurt so my heart. I. Yeah, because like Paul Bear had been with The Undertaker, not since day one, because he originally was brought out with Brother Love. But... Yes. Uh, he uh, had been with him pretty much since day one, and to see Paul Bear turn his back and go with mankind, it was it was it was a pretty shocking and emotional heel turn. And it seemed like a package deal with those guys. Yeah, um, they, yeah. you never really could. I couldn't fathom Undertaker without Paul Bear. He yeah. held the urn. Yeah, certainly couldn't fathom Paul Bear without the Undertaker. Right, but no, he's got a new apprentice in mankind. Yeah. And Mankind goes over in this one. Yep. 26 minutes. Then we got the main event. Shawn Michaels against Vader. And this match originally had Vader win it twice. Um, he wins first by countout by attacking Shawn Michaels. And then after disqualification because Michaels struck Vader at, with Cornette's uh, tennis racket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vader has Cornette in his corner and Cornette always has the tennis of course yeah yeah so gorilla monsoon comes out and Cornette is demanding for the match to restart they do and they get it on still and this is where Shawn michaels is uh yelling at vader he's he just doesn't see him as a performer sean is kind of throwing antics in the ring 
Uh, this is my first. This is another sign of Shawn Michaels breaking his actual character and showing his real frustrations in the ring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 definitely acting out, and you can start to see that, and start to see like the. Yeah, the the pressures are coming from you know being the top guy and and you know you have this huge enemy uh, in WCW and having to constantly compete with them and then also his own personal demons are right. you know more and more they've they've been there but they're more and more starting to affect him. So in in what ways in this match is okay? So there's a spot where Shawn Michaels goes up to the turnbuckle and lay, Vader's laying on the ground and uh, I guess some type of confusion if as if Sean should have thrown the elbow or he wanted to do a cross body. He jumps off the top rope, just lands on his feet and kicks Vader and says, get up, you piece of shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there's some miscommunication there. And I think it's also because Vader is known to be a little snug in the ring. Yeah. And and Sean, Sean isn't having that, you know, he's, uh, definitely in his, in his prima Donna phase and, uh, didn't want to probably didn't want to work with him in the first, in the first, uh, in the first place, I uh, know Vader was originally supposed to go over. Yes, and yeah. then they were supposed to have a rematch at Summer uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, and, and this was going to be big for Vader, and yeah. I think this destroyed Vader's career in the WWF. Yeah, yeah, I mean he would go on to have some more good matches, but this, you know, as in terms of being like a main eventer, sort of uh, delegitimized him. Yes, indeed. So now we're gearing towards September 1996, September 14th of that month. Uh, we have the South African match. This is the first of Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve yes. Austin. Bret, Bret Hart finally making his way back to the company. Um, he, I think, does the Raw. He he comes out on Raw and and has this announcement. I, I don't, it might have been before or after this where he commits to. You know, he announces that he's re-signing with WWF because they even made. They didn't mention WCW by name, but there was an episode of Raw where Brett comes out and says uh, he's going to be with the WWF forever. Yes. Forever. Um, And so he's starting to build towards that comeback. And I think that would... He signs a 20-year deal. 20 years, which is bonkers, because he's already 40. Yeah. At this point. It would later consist to narrowing down like lower lesser dates and then going on to what we now know as a legends deal yeah uh, to make appearances and be kind of like the icon uh, and show up for special things um but we'll see how that contract goes see how far how far he gets into it yeah so brett returns for this epic match with stone cold steve austin and do you like this one i love this match yeah it's uh you can tell right off the bat, even for two guys who haven't worked together, the chemistry is there, and uh, they they put on a match that's that's right up there with the uh, with the two that that they would go on to have, uh, and obviously you know multiple yeah you know, they would have Survivor Series, WrestleMania, and in your house match after that. I mean their feud is legendary, and I think definitely one of my personal favorites. Yep. And it's it's basically they're outside of the ring, they're inside of the ring. It's a lot of outside antics by Stone Cold. It's 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 related to his character, and this goes on to foreshadow their future match at WrestleMania 13. The violence that these guys could go through with each other. Yeah, Stone Cold is ringing up for he, he uses the DDT symbol for yeah. the finger because that's his now circle. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he uses that to signal for the Stone Cold Stunner, and he grabs Brett, but Brett turns back to back. They lock arms. 
Brett climbs up the rope, flips over Stone Cold, and then grabs him into a small package. One, two, three, Brett wins. The crowd goes insane because they love Bret Hart. This is South Africa, too. Yeah. Bret's yeah. huge overseas. Huge. But uh, a great match, too. Um, so later that month, we have September 22nd. In Your House 10, Mind Games. This is a good one. This builds up Mick Foley, yeah. uh, Mankind, other otherwise known as. He's got... Paul Bear in his corner, and he's going to take on Shawn Michaels, the champion. This is a great match. And, of course, at the time, I hated it. I didn't understand um, the psychology of mankind, and I thought he was kind of boring, and as well as Shawn Michaels kind of being a guy that I didn't like, and I knew that Brett was coming back. I was kind of just not into this one, but now watching it, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. I had the, I had the same sort of uh, transition with that match. Like, didn't didn't do much for me as a, as a young kid. You know, definitely looking forward to Brett coming back. But they, you've got the clash of uh, styles in this match of uh, you know Foley with you know being the best brawler, you know one of the best brawlers of all time, and Sean being arguably the best technical wrestler of all time. And they they put it all out there, and and you see Shawn Michaels, you know, perhaps. In, in a space where he's more willing to work with uh, mankind than he was with Vader. Exactly. And yeah. they get a little extreme. Extreme. This is in Philadelphia. Um, and during the free-for-all event, Savio Vega and Marty Jannetty are having a match. But the, uh, Savio gets attacked by Justin Bradshaw. And after the match, um, they're, they're leading up to a strap match between Savio Vega and Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. But... Um, <clears throat> During the match, two wrestlers from ECW, <laughs> that's Extreme Championship Wrestling, who we spoke about earlier, Yes, uh, Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman, they're shown ringside, and they get involved in the match before they get thrown out. And this is kind of like, again, what we're talking about, the blurring the lines. Exactly. So we got these ECW guys on WWF TV, but they're getting kicked out, and there's something going on here. Definitely. Um and during the match, the main event match, uh, we have Shawn Michaels jumping, running, jumping off of a chair and giving a super kick to Mankind. Then we have a spot I've never seen before. Yeah. Then we have Mankind getting thrown from the ring onto a table. I mean, we had seen a table spot with Brett and Diesel before, and I think that was the only one. Few and far in between. Like you said, there's we haven't seen table spots like no, that. Yeah. Um, mankind goes head first through this table. It looks deadly. Brutal spot. Oh, but it's so great. Shawn Michaels gets the victory here uh, by disqualification because Vader comes out and uh, then Sid comes out to chase him. And then we have Undertaker appearing against Mankind. Everybody's continuing their feuds because these in-your-house pay-per-views are kind of filler at this yeah, time. Yeah, they're, they're placeholders, but, I mean, yeah, they, they would have their fair share of classics, this being one of them. Yep. Next month, October 1996, October 20th, we have In Your House 11, Buried Alive. Dun, dun, dun. So cool. This is uh, notable because Stone Cold gets his first glass-shattering Hell Freezes Over entrance. Yeah. Before he had kind of got like some uh, sinister violin-type music. And uh, 
Now it's the yeah. Oh, that classic man. Definitely classic, and nobody even reacts to the glass breaking. Nothing. No. Yeah, no. This is the first just, time you've heard it. So you, and he just comes out. Yeah. Because they don't. Yeah. They didn't realize at the time when when the glass shatters. You no. Know, it's your ass. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he beats Stone Cold. Beats Hunter Hearst Helmsley here. Fifteen minutes. They put on a good match. Yeah. Uh, and then in the main event, we got, oh, sorry, not the main event. Then we have a number one contender for the WWF title. We get Sid beating Vader. This is actually removing Vader from the title spot now. Like you said earlier, they're not looking for that direction of Vader having the title anymore. Yeah. They're going with Sid. Yeah, And Sean has probably everything to do with that. I mean, just as you know. Uh, playing politics and you know talking to Vince and having Vince's ear and telling him who he wants to work with and who he doesn't. I mean, uh, you bring in a guy like Sid, who uh, who he has worked with in the past, who that comfort level is there more than uh, more so than Vader. Right. So buried alive match. Uh, Shawn Michaels isn't doing anything on this one. He's got a dark match later in the night with uh, Goldust, and it's nothing. Yeah. But. Uh, the main event buried alive undertaker gets buried by mankind and the it's pretty scary yeah yeah the, the executioner who's yeah. terry gordy yeah um he's another wcw guy he used to be a free bird but they cover him up in a mask he's a huge mass of a person but all these people come out and undertaker's buried but his hand rises again yeah. ah! <laughs> they're still building for that um after the event in the coming weeks we get this stuff with Stone Cold. He is challenging Bret Hart, calling him back. And he, like you said earlier, what does he say? If you take the letter S and put it in front of Hitman, you have my exact opinion of Bret Hart. Exactly. So they're taking a huge risk building this because Bret still hasn't officially done the... Uh, the signing yet? okay yeah so that was later yeah because he did and that makes sense because i think the international dates and the space between you know wrestlemania 12 and his official he was already committed he was committed yeah yeah, yeah and so. brett's a guy that stays with his commitments oh absolutely so he does those international dates but he's still got until about september or i'm um, till late october to figure out what he's doing uh but they're taking a risk on this building brett and Brett and Austin. So for a safety, we have an in, an altercation with Austin and Mr. Perfect that happens on Superstars. Just in case it would be Stone Cold and Mr. Perfect. Wow. This is this is this is something I didn't know. That's so That's, interesting. That is very interesting. I couldn't imagine that. But Brett does find finally sign with WWE. And uh on October twenty first he makes his dramatic interview and return, and he accepts the challenge of Stone Cold Steve Austin. That leads us to November 17th, 1996, the Survivor Series at Madison Square Garden. Yes. We're back in that famous building. Woo! And what a match it is. It is a uh, just a bell-to-bell classic. Uh, technically, you know, one of the one of the best matches. Definitely technically better um, then some, you know, some of the other matches they've had, they were just, you know, how, what, what is the, what is the match time on this? It's close to 30, 24, 24. Yeah. And they, um, 
you know, it's it's so impressive to see Brett go back into that big spot after taking so much time off, you know, save a few dates here and there, just not not skipping a beat at all. Yep. And they go on to have a great match here, man. Um, I'm going to read an excerpt from Bret Hart's book. Awesome. And this is the book that we were talking about earlier. It's... Uh, Hitman Hart. Yeah. Hitman Hart. My, my real, real life, life in, in the, the cartoon fate. world of wrestling. Yes. Yes, indeed. This is uh, chapter 37 called Everyone Around the World Hates Americans. He starts off by saying, while I had been gone, Stone Cold Steve Austin had really flourished as a heel. By Survivor Series 1996, on November uh, 17th, he'd become such a good heel, he was starting to turn babyface. The fans loved him. This was something he wanted to avoid because his heel run still had plenty of steam. He had such a great look for a heel, with a bald head and menacing eyes and burned a hole through you. He wore simple black trunks with black boots and came across like a real badass son of a bitch. His promos were intense. His Texas talk and ornery look gave him a unique magnetism. That was the big night for Steve. The week before Survivor Series, he flew to Calgary to work out the entire match with me. He was a friend of Sean's and they had been having some great matches together. These are at house shows. Apparently, Sean and him had been tearing it up at house shows. But standing next to the ring in my pool, Steve confided in me that Sean wasn't the right guy to lead the company. I took this as as the endorsement it was. In surprise, return of events, Sean was going to drop the belt to Psycho Sid at Survivor Series so he could win it back in his hometown of San Antonio in Royal Rumble in January. In the middle of all that, I'd be thrown into the main event to work a title match with Sid at December in your house. I wasn't sure how Sean's losing the belt and then winning it back would affect the big rematch that Vince led me to believe that we were going to have at WrestleMania 13. For now, all I could do was focus on my match with Stone Cold. At Survivor Series, Steve and I worked fast and hard, and I only got tired near the end. I had no idea what Vince and JR were going great lengths in their live commentary to subtly tear me down. When I heard it later, I got the first hint of what lay ahead for me. JR described me as slowly getting up and attributing to ring rust. Bret Hart, with a huge move, can't execute the cover. Vince was quickly dad. Uh, He just didn't have it, JR. He couldn't capitalize on it. I felt like they were going out of their way to portray me as old and beat up, while I was only doing the best to make Steve look strong and still putting me over. The bout was filled with unbelievable moves and one long, continuous fist fight. We brawled on the floor, leveled the Spanish announcer's table, broke down the metal barricade, and duked it out in the front row. As Stone Cold closed for the kill, he stalked me from behind, clamping on the Cobra Crunch, Cobra, Cobra Clutch, also known as the Million Dollar Dream. Much like I had done with Piper at WrestleMania 8, I jumped up, kicked off the corner of the topple backwards, pinning Steve for the 1-2-3. When I walked around the ring high-fiving the fans, I was happy when Vince reached out to shake my hand. Still wearing his headset, he still smiled, and with what I took to be loving eyes of a father, he said, Unbelievable. Later on that night, Sid took the title from Sean using a gimmick TV camera to bash him while Sean was distracted when his mentor, Jose Lothario, who had supposedly stricken by a heart attack on ringside. Yeah. So that was uh, from Bret Hart's book right there. Yeah. He's going on to tell us that he thinks it's set up for WrestleMania 13, yeah. him and Sean. Yeah, and this is his first uh, sort of inclination that eh, maybe maybe not. Maybe that's uh, got a different different path ahead of me. 
Yeah, he thinks that that's going to happen, and I thought that would have been a great epic rematch. There would have been so much money in it. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sean was, as we'll see, uh, not, not too interested in doing that and returning the favor. Yep. So, later on, we're going to get December in your house. It's time. It's Vader time. No, he's not there. No, no, he's not even in the event. This was uh, clearly building up for Vader, but they still stuck with the name. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up. He attacks the British Bulldog, and WWE officials separate them. And then Hart comes in, and they get separated by Austin. And he clips Bulldog's leg from behind, and he runs off. So he's a bad heel, but he's he's going after Bulldog, who's someone that Brett is affiliated with. They're not really back together as a as as family friends yet but uh this is building to what will later happen uh but still it's it's this rabid bulldog this rabid pit bull going after the bulldog and the hitman yeah and stone cold is geared up he's he's still not done with bret hart yeah yeah so at this event we have Shawn michaels he's coming out to do commentary for sid and hart and they're going on to a tight for the title match and uh, it's 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 an all right match but it ends with Shawn Michaels getting up on the the apron and arguing with Bret Hart and then that eventually causes Bret to get knocked into Shawn throwing him down and then the Sid takes advantage wins the title and then we have an argument and altercation with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels after that. And that's still leading in for them there. And yeah. I'm like, wow, these guys are, these guys are tearing it up. They're going to go at it one more yeah. time. Yeah. They really hate each other. I mean, everything, you know, to this point was, you know, that this was the idea. Even uh, I think Bret has said in interviews, like a lot of like the uh, tension and like, especially the post-match promos after WrestleMania 12 were done, you know, gearing up to this. And, uh, and now we're just we're three months out, you know, three or four, three or four months out, and uh, looks like all look, it looks like it's a go. It looks like it's going to happen, um, but we would soon find out. Yeah, doesn't really uh, doesn't really seem to go that direction. This is December fifteenth, but uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from Bret Hart's book from the day before the In Your House pay per view. In West Palm Beach the night of December 14, 1996, I slid under the sheets hurting so badly that I had no choice but to wash down a couple of pain pills, plug my heating pad, and smear some icy hot all over my knees and back. I was supposed to wrestle Sid at our title bout the next day and in your house. Wrestling in, wrestling with Jim in the Heart Foundation in the early earlier days, I used to feel like the zippy Porsche to Jim's armored tank. Now I felt like an old race car with dinges hidden before... Every match and a coat of fresh paint. Our match turned out to be surprisingly good. Sid came with me to respect. Uh, Sid had come to respect me because I helped him when I could. During our match, Sean sat with Jim Ross at the announcer's table, ranting about his God-given right to live life as he chooses. Apparently, the remark I had made a month earlier about him posing for Playgirl had been eating away at him this whole time. 
Sean got involved in the finish by climbing on the ring apron where we collided, allowing Sid to jackknife powerbomb me to the mat for the win. I fiercely jumped out and pulled Sean's shirt over his head like we were in a hockey fight and pretended to beat him senseless. It looked fantastic. Sid came back to the dressing room thrilled with how it went, and Sean seemed nothing but upbeat. But over the next two days of TVs in Florida, he had noticed he had noticeably distant with me. When I told Vince that I was concerned that I was pissing Sean off, he downplayed it. Still, I asked him to clarify things for me both and Sean so that we could do this the right way. He wouldn't listen. Instead of sorting things out, Sean went out of his way and did angry in-ring interview with me as the target on his rage. I was disappointed to see him lose his babyface composure. I was thinking, oh, Sean, don't do this. Stay humble. I'm only working. Let me be the heel. I shook my head in utter dismay, trying to figure out what was happening between us. I spent my Christmas holidays aching all over. Yet I worked with Leo Burke and a bunch of green local wrestlers and training at my house in the WWF ring Vince had given me. Over time, those young men became Christian, Edge, Glenn Kolka, Teddy Hart, Mark Henry, and the fake Razor Ramon, Kurgan, Don Callis, Test, Ken Shamrock, who was the ultimate fighting championship at the time, just to name a few. Wow. Holy shit. Quite a class. Yes. Despite the tension with Sean, I was on top of the world, set to regain the title while being the highest paid WWF wrestler of all time. So that's it, man. He's gearing up to be on top of the world. Yeah. He's set for it. He's going for it. What do we have coming up next? The Royal Rumble. Yes, indeed. Things might go his way. They might not. (laughs) Let's find out next episode where we're going to go through the Royal Rumble of 97. Then we'll lead us up to WrestleMania 13. Try to catch us up to June 1997 to where we can be on this timeline and enjoy everything moment for moment. Yes. So hope everybody's enjoying this. Jimmy. Thank you. Uh, Any remarks? Any? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's about to get pretty interesting. Uh, the the rematch that had been in the works for almost a year is about to go completely off the rails, and uh, so next episode we're going to look at how you know we as wrestling fans benefited in that and getting one of the best matches of all time, uh, but also you know wonder what could have been with a potential rematch and. From there on, it's getting into the Attitude Era. Exactly. And we'll see you guys. Well, we won't see you. (laughs) Well, you'll hear us. Yeah. You'll hear us next time on Retromania. I'm Kobe Nida. Jimmy Price. We'll see you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Retromania, everybody. Uh, If you'd like to write in and share with us your nostalgic moments and your memorable or not so memorable moments of the time that we're going through right now, you can email us at retromania at gmail.com. That's retromania with a W W R E T R O mania at gmail.com. And you can also follow Jimmy. You can talk to him directly. Jimmy. Uh, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, at Jimmy underscore Price. Uh, so yeah, if you want to send me a, a DM on there um, or go through the uh, email for the show, those are the best ways to get me. Exactly. And we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your memories. We want to hear um, what 
your fond moments of this time was in this timeline. And we'll get into it deeper and deeper each week on Retromania. Thank you. Hey guys, if you're into uh, professional wrestling and you uh, like to read zines, please check out my buddy Dan Zine uh, called Hot Tag. Uh, he takes a look at wrestling fandom from a very personal standpoint uh, and his own journey as a fan as well as that of some of his friends, myself included. I uh, wrote some stuff for the second issue. Um, and he also has a uh, sort of a new, I guess you'd call it a graphic novel in, in some respects, uh, with some art from uh, some great artists uh, using the tweets of Kojima, who is a uh, pro wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling, who has an obsession and a taste for bread. Uh, and that's called Cozy's Big Day, and that's a lot of fun. So if you want to check any of this out, please go to uh, hottag.bigcartel.com. Thank you. What we do on the side, Jimmy, uh, you want to tell them? Yes, uh, District City Wrestling. And that's where we both work at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, If you want to go on Twitter, uh, follow us at OfficialDCW. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we've been putting on a string of shows over the last year plus now, uh, mostly uh, located at uh, Chapala Mexican Restaurant. Yeah, and Blue Beetle Rock Bar. The Blue Beetle Rock Bar, that's right. And you can follow us on Instagram as well, at OfficialDCW, yeah. and we post up there all the time, and we got a Facebook, you can find us there, District City Wrestling. Um, we're going to be updating more and more each week, and each each. Uh, each new event that comes arise, we'll let you know uh, on the podcast as well. And we Absolutely. hope to have some more guests on here from yeah. ECW. Yeah, and uh, I think we have a, the last couple shows and full shows. Um, definitely the, the, our most recent shows on the uh, Facebook, correct? Yep, and that'll be on YouTube as well. Awesome. Uh, the YouTube channel is District City Wrestling TV. Uh, so check that out. Thanks. Jimmy, do you have any old wrestling shirts? You know, I, when I was a young man, I uh, had a bunch of uh, very terrifically 90s wrestling t-shirts. I had one uh, cane shirt that was long sleeves, and it was particularly uh, just terrible. Uh, but sometimes I wish I could find some of those old ones, you know? So do I. I had the Kevin Nash. He had the backwards Tupac bandana. That was too sweet. But I do know this awesome place. It's called the thesavagestash.com. It's your wheeler and dealer for the best vintage wrestling shirts, merch, and everything in between. The absolute cream of the crop. Yeah. Sounds like quite the uh, the excellence of execution. Where can I find that again? That's thesavagestash.com. And you can find them at the Savage Stash on Instagram and Facebook. Everybody look them up for your vintage clothing. Do it. Dig it. Done! Yeah! Huh!